What's going on, Third Street? I know we are all praying for the Holy Spirit to be like a wind. Bring some cool in here. Um, we are still tackling this distracted series. Um, if you have not been present the last four or five weeks, we've been talking about being distracted and how it keeps us away from essentially walking out what God has for us. This week, we are going to dive into a story about a woman that Jesus said, remember, it is Lot's wife. So if you can go with me to Genesis chapter 19, I'm going to start in verse 15. Um, before I start reading, I do want to let you guys know, um, this could end up feeling like a woman's conference. This is not a, 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 a scripture that is meant to be only for women, but I really feel if I had a story that I would really like to like give to Lauren or give to Kendall and say like, hey, this is where you could kind of go in the wrong way. This would be one of the stories. Um, I'll stop there. So I'm gonna start with verse 15. We're gonna go down to verse 26. It says, at daybreak, the angels urged Lot on. Get up, take your wife and your daughters who are here, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. It says, but he hesitated because of the Lord's compassion for him. In, in other versions, it says mercy right there. The men grabbed his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters. They brought him out and left him outside the city. Where it said that the mercy that God had mercy on him, it was the mercy that he had on him because of Abraham, right? Uh, a little previous before that, it says that the Lord had heard the cries from the city of Sodom, but he wasn't actually talking about people from the city crying out. He was talking about Abraham crying out on behalf of, right? So as soon as the angels got them outside, one of them said, run for your lives. This is very important. Don't look back. Everybody look to your neighbor and say, do not look back. And don't stop anywhere on the plane. Run to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, no, my Lord, please. Another important part right here. Your servant has indeed found favor with you. You have shown me great kindness by saving my life. In other versions, it again says mercy. You have shown me great mercy by saving my life, but I can't run to the mountains. The disaster will overtake me and I will die. Look, this town is close enough for me to flee to. It is a small place. Please let me run to it. It's only a small place, isn't it? So that I can survive. And he said to him, all right, I'll grant your request about this matter too and will not demolish the town you mentioned. Hurry up. Now, it says, I will not demolish the town you mentioned. That's letting us know right there that I was planning on demolishing that town with every other town that was surrounding by it. Hurry up, run to it, for I cannot do anything until you get there. Therefore, the name of the city is Zoar. The sun had risen over the land when Lot reached Zoar. Then out of the sky, the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, burning sulfur from the Lord. He demolished these cities, the entire plain, and all the inhabitants of the cities, and whatever grew on the ground. But Lot's wife looked back and became a pillar of salt. 
Now, we don't know a lot about Lot's wife, but there are two Jewish historians. One, they, they named uh, the Jewish historian X and the Jewish historian Y, because they, they did not leave their names on the tablets that they written on, that talked about the Jewish culture and what Lot's wife's name might have been. One, uh, the Jewish historian X said that Lot's wife's name was Adith, A-D-I-T-H. Another Jewish historian, which was Jewish historian Y, said that Lot's wife's name was Irith, I-R-I-T-H. Both historians said the same thing about Lot's wife, though, and that is she was a native of the town Sodom. So everything that she had would have come from the city, her upbringing, her culture, the way that she thought, the people that she hung up with, her inheritance, her family, her friends, you know what I mean? Everything, right? The first problem that she had is who she was following. It brings me to my first point. Who are you following? How do you follow? This is the first thing that I noticed, right? <laughs> the last time I preached, I talked about something like crazy happening and me taking off running. Just imagine right now, if none of you do know, my wife is right here. So just imagine something happened and I take off running. And this being the culture that we're in, somebody, as they're running, they pull out a phone and they start recording. And when it hits social media, I'm running and my wife is behind me. How are people going to look at me? You can say, you can say it out loud. I don't Stupid. Sucker. How this dude going to leave and his wife is behind him? But that's where Lot's wife finds herself. The scripture says that when she turned around, right before it says that she turned around, it said specifically that she was behind her husband. This is the part where I say it's not so this this isn't a a woman's conference. But however, you have to look at the man that you're following. What type of person are you following? Even if you are a man and you're following other men or you're a woman and you just have friends, like what type of person are you following? A person that would leave you behind? The Bible already told us that Lot was, I'll say, not necessarily taking good care of his time. He knew from the day before what was about to happen, but the angel still had to wake him up. Still had to urge him to keep mushing. Keep pushing, keep moving. The Bible still says that he was lingering. And they had to tell him, like, dude, if you don't move, we we about to destroy everything. They had to grab him by his hand and, and, and take him to a certain place. But even in then, when he took off, he took off without his woman. I think this showed a lot of characteristic about Lot. And one of the things that I believe that it showed, even in the scriptures, is that some of us follow people who trust in the mercy of God and not the grace of God. We trust in the mercy of God, but not the power of God, not the love of God, not the strength of God. And you can see it in how Lot behaved and how he acted. The angel said, the Lord has provision for you. We're going to take you to the mountain. What's the first thing Lot said? I can't make that. I trust that you've actually gotten me out of this situation, but I still don't trust that God can get me to the next situation. So instead, what I would rather do is I would rather go to another city that's just real nearby. 
when you follow somebody who only knows God to be merciful, what's going to end up happening is you're going to end up being left behind. And the bad part about being left behind when you're following someone else is you'll find yourself following man's plan instead of God's plan. God's plan for Lot's wife was not the city Zoar. God's plan for Lot's wife was the mountain. He had a high place. Let's stop saying Lot's wife. Let's start talking about us. God's plan for us is a high place. God's plan for us is a mountaintop. He sees what we're in. He sees that his only thing that, that can surround us is destruction. He sees that I can get you out of that and I have a mountain for you. I have a, I have a high place for you. I have a place of safety for you. But sometimes we allow for other people to tell us or decide for us that we can't make it to the mountaintop. That there's actually a valley for us. Zoar was in the valley. They were actually talking about it in the song. So what happens when you're supposed to be going to the mountaintop, but instead you follow man's plan to the valley? The Bible shows us we end up turning around. What does that turning around really look like? Like, what does it mean to actually not be looking forward to the things that God has for you in your life. How many times has God told you, given you inkling to repent, to turn away from, to go away from, right? If you don't know, repent simply could be broken down as turning away from one thing and going towards God. A lot of times what we do is we apologize. We don't repent. Apologize is something that you do with your mouth, right? Something that you do verbally, but there's no action behind it at times. But when you actually add the action to the verbal, what that is called is repentance, right? So what was she truly doing when she grew up in a city? She grew up in a place where sin was rapid where sin was so horrible, where every thought and heart, uh, every thought that came out of a man's mind and every, every space of heart that a man had was sinful. You got to remember, this was the town where two angels came into, right? And they came into a man's house and it said, every man from the city came to the house to rape those men. Not some of the men in that city, but every single person came to that house to rape the men that had came to help Lot and his family. And then Lot said, hold up, let me send out my daughters. And I know that sounds really weird, but that's actually something that you see repeatedly in the Bible. Uh, there was another time in, in Judges, I believe, where they literally were coming to a town to or coming to a place to hurt the man that was the visitor. And the man was like, I'll send out my daughters. It's something that you see over and over again. But even when they were like, hey, my daughters are virgins. They're beautiful. Let me send them out there. The dudes were like, nah, fam. Send them dudes out here. We want to rape them dudes. This is the town that she grew up in. This is the culture that she was constantly around. And God said, I want to get you out of this place and towards the mountain that I have for you. And what she did without ever saying anything is she started the action of repentance. She turned away from Sodom and Gomorrah and she began to walk towards the mountain. But what happens when you're walking in one direction and looking another? The Bible says, in this instance, it was 
destruction. The question that I kept asking myself is like, why did she turn around? And I'll be honest with you. I had two weeks worth of answers. <laughs> like I was talking to Jada and I was talking to Corey. I was like, I don't know how I can wrap this up in one week. Like there's a million reasons why she could have turned around. But the biggest thing that I have for you in my first point in who are you following is when you're following someone that is not God, do you notice? Like, do you truly notice that you're going after someone who's really taking you to the valley instead of the mountain? Do you recognize when you're following man's plan and not God's plan? And the other thing that we have to recognize in this instance with Lot's wife is um, she didn't just turn around. It's not like she was running this way and she hit this right here and then she turned into a pillar of salt. It's not what happened. The Bible says that it was a long gaze. She was following man, recognizing that she was no longer after God's plan. And I've been that person that I recognize that the path that I'm on is not the path that God gave me. And you're looking at where you're going and you recognize that this don't look too much different than that. And when you're following man's plan and not God's plan, that's what's going to happen. You're going to find yourself in a situation where you're looking at Zoar and you're looking at Sodom and you're saying, hey, these cities don't look too much different. But if you look at God's plan, he was going to destroy Zoar in the first place. This is a crazy thing about God, right? If God gives you his provision and you decide against it, he lets you. God seriously sent two people to literally say, hey, this is what God's provision is for you. And Lot was like, no, nah, I'm cool, fam. I'm going to go to Zoar. And they was like, all right. And the next thing you know, Lot's wife is where she is, a pillar of salt. Her second problem was, bring me to my second point. Who you with? Now, there's two ways you can say this. If you have black friends, I'm going to break it down to you what a black person might mean if they say who you with. Because who you with is different than who are you with. If I'm calling you and I say, hey, who are you with? I'm just having conversation. There's no alarm to be sounded. We're just going back and forth. But if I say who you with, that means there's somebody that you with that either is going to bring you greatness or they're going to bring you calamity and I need to give you more information after you answer my question of who you with, right? There's no H on that. Look at your neighbor and say, who you with? If the person next to you said an H, tell them they said it wrong. It's who you with, right? When I was living in sin. I didn't recognize who I was with. I didn't recognize the strength and the power that came along with being with who I was with. See how I did that? Being with, because that's how you talk, who, <laughs> who I was with. And who I was with was my family. I have five children. I have a wife. And I didn't understand the importance of who I was with. 
Sometimes you can feel like what I'm going through, I'm going through alone. And these, the, 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 the strengths or no, that's not the word I'm looking for. The, the good or the bad that happens only happens to me. Nobody else is going to be affected by my bull crap. Let me be the first person or the second person or the 38th person to let you know that your decisions your decisions, they have so much to do with who you with, right? Let's look at Lot's wife's family, her husband, right? Her husband was the type of guy that when two men came into his town and the whole city showed up, he came outside like what? That's some baddie type stuff. The whole city out there. And I'm coming outside like we can fight. Every last one of y'all can get these hands. That's the type of dude that he was because I'm not going to let you mess with these people that's at my house. That's the type of dude she was with. He had some honor in him. He had a, he had a little bit of good character, enough to say, I will not allow for you to do harm to those who are in my house. Let's look at her, her daughters. Let's look at the women that she was with. The Bible says that they were both engaged to be married. In this culture, even though this was a sinful city, a woman that was engaged to be married was still a virgin. These were was, these was some women with good characteristics, right? These are the women and the men that she was with. I'm going somewhere. What happens after she turns around? What happens to the man? What happens to the daughters? What kind of decision making did she make that actually altered the lives of the people that she was around? What do we see the next time we see Lot's, uh, Lot's uh, character? He drunk. Every opportunity we hear about Lot going forth, he's drinking. To the point that he's laying down with his daughters and he don't even know it. Let's get back to his daughters. These were two women that were virgins who were engaged to be married. Their husbands stayed and were killed in Sodom. So they decide, I'm going to get my dad drunk and we're going to have sex with him and have children. This is what happens when you're supposed to be the salt of the earth and you turn into a pillar of salt. When you're supposed to be the person that provisions, that keeps something seasoned, that, that allows for something to have longevity. She was supposed to be the salt of the earth. She was supposed to be the person that keeps her family together. If you look at what she was doing prior to becoming a pillar of salt, she did that exactly. She had a husband who tried his best to do the things that he was supposed to do. You know how I know that? Because Abraham asked God, remember, if it's 75 people there, you're going to kill everybody and it's still 75 good people? And God was like, no. He went all the way down. He said, hey, man, if it's 10 good people there, are you still going to kill the 10 good people? And God said, if there's some good people there, I'm going to make sure that they get out. So we know Lot's husband, I mean Lot, Lot's wife and his daughters were good enough to save. Until she turns into a pillar of salt. And then what happens to the people she with? I say all that to say. You got to recognize how much power you actually have with the people that you with. Because um, Sodom was a sinful city. It was just a sinful city. 
But what happens when Lot has sex with his daughters? They have two children. The Ammonites come from this, right? The Moabites come from this, right? What happens to both of these places? They are both destroyed because they wouldn't listen to God. So a sinful city turned into two sinful nations. That's like Canaan turning into a whole sinful country because of one. Look, one person turned around when they were supposed to be going forward in Christ. And two whole sinful nations are created off of her actions. You can't tell me that you're not important in God's plan. You can't tell me that God telling you to go to the mountain, but you decided to go to the valley ain't that big of a deal. You can't tell me, oh, it's just my husband. Oh, it's just my boyfriend. Oh, it's just my girlfriend. It's not really that big of a deal. It's just who I'm talking to right now. Because the person that you're talking to can help you decide to no longer go towards God's mountain. To no longer go towards God's provision. They can influence you to believing that God's mercy is all he has for you. He don't have no grace for you. He don't have no will for your life. All he has is his mercy. She went from being the salt of the earth to a pillar of salt. The problem is we like to go back to what we're familiar with. And sometimes what you're familiar with is sin. What if, because this is all I'm doing today. There's a whole bunch of what ifs. I don't know Lot's wife. I read the same scripture you read. I have no clue why she turned around. But what if, right? What if she turned around because Sodom was just comfortable? Sodom was, Sodom was really fun. I remember I used to ask my youth this, right? I used to say, hey, is sin fun? And you know what they say. What they say? Yes. No, they trying to, they trying to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They trying to impress me. No, no, sin ain't fun. Why would you do it then? Of course sin is fun. It's amazing. You have a blast sinning. If it wasn't fun and it wasn't amazing and you knew it was wrong, why would you keep doing it? It's like eating lima beans, but you don't like it. And it ain't good for you. It's like, if lima beans taste like, if lima beans was nihilators, who would eat them? Do you get it? You don't get what I'm saying? If lima beans was candy, and candy isn't good for you, don't nobody here like the taste of lima beans. We eat them because they're good for us. If sin <laughs> didn't taste good, if it wasn't good to our, 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 our palate, we would just stop. I don't like it. Why would I keep doing it? It's not good for me and I don't like it. But of course we keep doing it because it's amazing. But it's not good for you. But if you sin long enough, what happens? My bad, man. I didn't even know you was in here. I got to change my whole uh, repertoire up. We got kids in here. Sin is horrible. Tastes horrible. It's not good for you. I forgot everything I was talking about. Hold on, give me a second. The unfamiliar is what we're, is what we're fearful of because faith is what we cannot see. So when she's walking towards Zor, knowing she's supposed to be going towards the mountain, she already knows I'm following the dude who left me. 
I'm following a dude who don't trust God. I'm following a dude who's not following my provision because God told me to go to the mountain, but here I am on my way to the valley, right? Now I'm getting closer. I can feel the heat on my back from the sulfur that's behind me, but I'm looking at a city that looked just like the city that I just left. I would rather be back where I'm comfortable. But God says this in, um, in Luke chapter 17. Can we go to Luke chapter 17? It's, it's Luke chapter 17. It's in the 20s. Go to 28. I know it's hot. I'm sorry. I only got one more point after I say this, and I'm going to let y'all go. When he says the, to remember Lot's wife, God is talking about the greatness of his coming back. And he says it will be the same as it was in the days of Lot. People went on eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building. But on the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be like that on the day the Son of Man is revealed. It says, but on that day, a man on the housetops whose belongings are in the house, he can't turn back. He cannot come down and go backwards from where he was. Likewise, the man who was in the field, he cannot turn back. Remember Lot's wife. It says, whoever tries to make his life secure will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. In another uh, version, it says, whoever tries to find his life, whoever tries to find what's familiar is what it's saying. Whoever tries to go back to what they're comfortable with, which is the sin, you're going to lose your life doing that. But whoever is willing to actually lose what is familiar and go forward in what's unfamiliar that's how you will find your life this is why jesus says if you lose your life you will find it and if you try to find your life you will lose it who this word is good i hope y'all having as good time as i am let's get to this third point so i can get y'all out of here the last point i have for you is you're not god you're not god when i was in middle school i have i have uh three brothers that are stepbrothers my brother deandre he's in the sixth grade my brother Dante, he's in the seventh grade. My brother Rashawn, he passed away, but at the time he was in eighth grade, right? And we were in school and the word got back to me that my brother Dante, who is the perfect villain in our family, right? They, they told me that Dante cussed out Miss Nagy. Now, Miss Nagy was the teacher that like when you was in middle school, everybody said like, when I get older, I'm gonna marry Miss Nagy. Like that's, that's the teacher that she was. She was the, the young teacher that was real hip and she was cute, she was nice, and everybody loved Miss Nagy. So when they came back and told me, hey, your brother cussed at Miss Nagy, our school was a zero tolerance school to begin with. If you was playing around in the hallway and you cussed, you was in trouble. If you cussed at another kid, you was in trouble. If you cussed at a teacher though, you suspended. You're going home. So when I get to the end of the school day, I'm just naturally expecting that I'm going to walk up, I'm going to see Rashawn, we're going to go home. But when I go up to see Rashawn, I see Dante as well. I'm like, like, how are you not suspended? He was like, oh, they just gave me in school, and I got Saturday school. 
but I ain't get suspended. So I'm like, all right, cool. This was on Friday. So we're walking home. We're walking home. We're walking home. Normally, we walk home. We wrestling. We fighting. We talking. We doing all types of stuff. But Dante is walking like way in front of us. And he keep turning around, looking at us, and then keep walking. Turn around, look at us, and keep walking. But I don't think nothing of it. This is on Friday. Saturday morning, he get up, break a dawn, go to Saturday school, come back. Monday, we walk to school, probably 20, 25-minute walk, right? On the way to school, he's walking in front of us again, looking behind us. And I'm like, hey, something wrong with this dude. School happens, we leave school, walk home, same posture. Way in front of us, keep turning around looking at us. Same thing happens on Tuesday. On Wednesday, I walk up with him. Let me get close to this dude, see if he want to talk to me. He won't talk to me, just keep looking at me. We get to school, and what we normally did was as soon as we got to school in the morning, we go straight to the cafeteria. We're going to get us our sun-kissed donut. We're going to get us a Chili Willy. Anybody remember Chili Willy? Chili Willy was a banger. I apologize for all you uh, people who don't know what Chili Willy is. It's water, sugar, and uh, orange flavor. But half of the school day goes by, and I hear on the loudspeaker, Rashawn Davis, can you come to the office? So I'm like, what they want with my brother? A little more time goes by. Kenny Thomas, can you come to the office? And I'm like, oh, shoot. What I done did? So I'm walking to the office, and when I get there, Rashawn's coming out of the office, and he is up set. So I walk in the office like, hey, your mom's on the phone. So I pick up the phone and I begin to be cussed out immediately. Because what happens is Dante got suspended from school on Friday. So my mom wants to know, why are y'all keeping this from me? Now, in my family, I was the kid that just didn't lie to my parents. So when I told her I didn't know nothing about it, she believed me. So she said, okay, this is what I want you to do. Go home and don't tell him I know. So I'm like, all right, cool. So after school, we get outside, and I'm like, hey, Dante, man, uh, did you see that fight today in school? He was like, yeah, I was on the other side. I was trying to get your attention. Mind you, this dude wasn't at school. So we keep walking. I say, hey, Dante, hey, man, how you doing Miss Nagy's test? Oh, it was hard. It was real hard. What do you think about question one? Well, I put true. It was not a true and false test. This dude's just making it up as he goes. So we get home. And the first thing my mom says is, hey, how was your day? Red flag. This was the first and only time in my life that our mom asked, how was your day? He should have knew immediately that he was caught. But he began to tell her how the day was. And she was like, oh, that's crazy because I got a call today. Mr. Bostic, which is our principal, Mr. Bostic told us that uh, you got suspended from school on Friday. He was like, nah. <laughs> So you mean to tell me you didn't get suspended from school on Friday? No. So you mean to tell me that you didn't walk to school on Monday, stay outside all day, and then just keep meeting your brothers back at school after school? No. So you mean to tell me that Kenny, which is my father, didn't see you at the park today at 1230? Nah. So after that last gnaw, she took the broom. And my right hand guy, she swung and broke the broom over this dude's head. Now, the violence is not the part of the story that I want you to like 
hold on to. When I was telling Jada and Corey that I was going to tell this story, I ended up calling my brother back. And I was like, hey, man, why did you do that? Why didn't you just tell her you got suspended? Our family wasn't the type of family where you made a mistake and you ended up just getting, like, demolished because of it. He would have been on punishment and that would have been it. The issue is, is his punishment would have affected us. Because if he can't watch TV, we can't watch TV. We all lived in this, we, we all slept in the same room. If, if he can't play video games, we can't play video games. So he actually tried to help us out by not getting in trouble. Go with me when I say he tried to be God. He tried to be the person that was going to make sure that he could fix everything. And that brings me back to my point for this last point. We are not God. When he gives us provision and he tells us what we need to do in order for things to go right, we can't change that provision and think that we're going to be the way that everybody gets this blessing now. I'm going to make sure that everybody gets into the kingdom, even if it means I don't follow God's provision. Because I do believe there was some remorse for the people that she left behind. And maybe that's the reason why she turned around, because she felt like maybe it's something that I can do. Maybe if I just turn around and maybe if I just stop right here for a second and just think of how I can help these people. Because the Bible says that she turned around and she gazed, she longed. Her stopping is the reason why she ended up turning into a pillar of salt, though. So I got a couple questions and I'm going to let you guys go. My first question is, how many mountains has God given you that you've forsaken? On the place that you've chosen. How many times has God come, and, come to you and gave you provision as God? And you turned into Lot and said, no, this is where I want to go. Who has that affected? Lot can't even look at this situation and say, hey, you know, I made a bad choice and it, it, it still turned out good. No, it didn't. He became perverted. He became a drunk. His wife ended up dying. His daughters ended up perverted. They gave birth to sinful nations, all because God gave him provision and he decided to do something else. How many times has God given you provision and you've decided? Nah, I'm going to be God on this one. How many times have you talked your way out of your own blessing? I had this, this like visual thought of, come here real quick, Jordan. I had this visual thought. We're both dying of thirst, right? We're both dying of thirst. And this is where the well is. And I feel like this is the posture that we have at times in life where I love this dude right here. This is, this is my first child. And then a minute later, he came, right? And if I was dying of thirst, but I'm the only one strong enough to get to water, what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave him here and I'm going to try to get to water. But what happens when he cries out? I'm going to turn around. 
I'm going to stop. For me, I'm going to come back to him. But he's still dying of thirst and so am I. So what ends up happening to both of us in that scenario is we just both die. The other option is I hear his cry, but I keep going to the well. And I grab the water that's needed. I drink to make sure that I have what I need, right? But then I come back to the man that I love and I give him water. But what's going to happen after he drinks? He's going to be thirsty again. And when I leave him and I can't get back to him again, he's still going to die of the same thing that he was dying of in the first place. What we have to do as believers is we have to trust that, yes, I can trust God's provision. Get all the way to the well because Jesus said that if you get to me, I will make you never thirst again. But I can't take the little bit that I have left over after God has given everything that I need back to Jordan, right? Give Jordan the gospel of Jesus Christ according to KT and then think that he's going to never thirst again. What I need to do now is I have to teach him how to go with me to the well so that he can drink from the well himself. I think the problem is, for real, for real, we really like being God. So we don't want him to go to the well. We want him to come to me. That's why I keep going to the Father and then going back to him. And then going to the Father and going back to him. And then going to the Father. And, like, how many people in your phone come to you for text messages? I mean, come to you for prayer all the time. How many times do you tell them, you need to pray? Or how many times do you just pray for them? Who here, like, actually enjoys the fact that I get to help a lot of people instead of teaching these people how to no longer need help? I say that again to say, you are not God. You cannot continuously keep going to the well for other people. Eventually, you have to teach people how to go to God themselves. Because if you don't, they're going to end up dying of thirst. Or you're going to end up stop going towards your provision. Because you keep turning around every time you hear their cries. Amen.